Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... That's what I'm talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Donna Lewis! Yeah, I've never done this before. I usually do a lot of stand-up comedy, but um, I thought of a a story that exudes patience. Because I didn't know I had as much um, as this situation went on. Um, I say I'm, I met him um, in junior high school. He was a beautiful 12 or 13-year-old boy at the time. So was, and I was in the seventh grade. He was in the eighth. Beautiful caramel skin. Had this perfect afro. It was so perfect when you looked at him, it looked like he had a halo around his face. And I had such a crush on him. And so, um, you know, like middle schoolers do, you fall out of touch. But then high school came, and he, boy, did he grow up. He was tall and lanky, about six foot six almost, and he played basketball. But we went to opposite high schools in New York City. And, uh, but one of the girls I went to high school with, lived in my neighborhood, went to his high school. Well, I had her do the, the old school thing where you pass notes back and forth. This is way in the, you know, the ancient days before the internet. <laughs> and um, so we discovered that um, we kind of liked each other. And he remembered that crush from back in junior high school. So somehow, we ended up dating. Yes, I was over the moon because I had my high school, my uh, junior high school crush, and now he's my high school sweetheart. So, but you know, as time happens, because he was a year ahead of me, went away to school. <clears throat> I was still at home, and he met someone, and we didn't make it. That's okay. I thought I could wait him out, have patience for that, but unfortunately that didn't happen. So, fast forward to high school finishing for me, going away to college for four years, coming back home to New York City and I'm working. I come home, get out the subway one day and I walk towards my apartment building and I see him. After all this time, it passed. And he was even finer than ever. That afro was a little bit cut down. He had a whole lot of muscles. And I think I fell in love all over again. So, as time would have it, we ended up getting back together again as adults. And so, this is when I had to start learning patience. Little indicators happened a little bit here and there, but I didn't pay it any mind because usually, you know, he was in the military. Guys in the military, they they drink a little bit to excess, right? I didn't think anything. He's a guy, so that's what they do. But, um, and then time moved forward. We ended up getting engaged. And I moved to Virginia from New York City. What a culture shock. 
very much of a culture shock. Um, one of the first culture shock things I had, I'd always worked in New York City and, you know, was used to the hustle and bustle and, you know, wear suits and went to work at the big, one of the biggest banks in the city. And I, I got a temp assignment at um, Newport News Shipbuilding. And I went down there in my New York City finest and sneakers, because that's what you do when you, you live in New, and work in New York City. You get dressed up, you put on sneakers, so you can walk to the subway and do what you got to do. I go down there, and it looks like the prison yard at Attica. Everybody's dirty and smelly and greasy and funky, and so I ended up there. But, um, but like I said, I moved here, right before I moved here, my husband at the time... He was on a six-month deployment, came home. I knew he was coming home. I was so ready for him to come home. And I knew he was back off the ship. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And it's almost like the next day when I know he got off the ship. And he shows up the next morning pissy drunk. <laughs> and like, this is unusual. You're gone for six months. Uh, you know I'm waiting. I have patience for you. And you don't show up. I thought that was really, really odd. So, we, I brushed it off. I'm like, oh, I guess he was just celebrating with his shipmates. No big deal. Okay. So, fast forward some more. I moved from Virginia, I mean from New York to Virginia set up shop, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have this wonderful life to, with each other. Well, as time went on, I noticed, I'm like, hmm, he's drinking a lot. It's not right. Then, all of a sudden, time goes forward some more, and usually when men go to work during the day, they normally come home at night. <laughs> they normally do. But I started noticing that the nights used to get a little bit longer and longer and longer until it got to be the next day. And I'm like, this is not right. Then time went on some more a lot of those nights start to happen in a lot. Sometimes one day would turn into two days, would turn into three days. And I'm like, this is not right. So it was our anniversary. Sometime, I don't know, in the early 90s maybe. We got, because we got married, we bought a home, and it was our anniversary. And I'm waiting, again, patience, for my husband at the time to come home to celebrate our anniversary. Well, our anniversary is the end of December. You know, we got married at the end of December for tax reasons. You know, <laughs> you get to claim you're married all year if you, get, if you wait until the last day of the year. But that day it was snowing. And you know snow around here is like like an apocalypse. 
everything shuts down. But my husband was not home, and it was our anniversary. I'm like, how does not how does a a husband not come home on his anniversary? This is not right. And I mean, it's snowing, and it's getting later and later and later. And he finally shows up in the middle of the night after me uh, waiting for quite some time for him to show up. And that's when he finally admitted that he had quite of a drug problem. But little did I know that that from that point until me standing here on this stage today would be such a journey. I watched his devolution from that big strapping beautiful man into someone that I didn't even recognize anymore. It was very hard to have um, and I was blessed to have our own children but raised his while he was going through his struggles and it's funny how you you try to have patience for the good times. You try to get that back. And you wait and you wait and you wait. And some you wait through all kinds of stuff. I waited through um you know him not being in the because of that situation, the military career was gone. The house was gone. The cars were gone. It was quite quite a thing to have to wait through. I waited through um, long periods of um, <clears throat> sobriety, only to be matched with a horrible relapse, and we had to start all over again. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait for those good times to come back. It was like, when is things ever going to be normal? It's nothing like, um, I I waited through um, many months of, you know, programs that he went through, and and me not being the person that was addicted, I'm like, what's wrong with me? It's amazing what you go through when you have someone like that in your life. You're always waiting for things to get normal again. But they don't. You kind of um, you kind of survive. You survive it. But um, I waited for I waited for sobriety. I waited for normalcy. I waited for our home to be whole again. But it seemed like it never happened. And when that's going on with you, with with someone else, what happens to you? You just completely lose yourself. Because you're waiting, you wait. You're always waiting for things to go back right again. But you know, me being the type of person I am, um, I was the queen of the stealth, the twelve-step program. <laughs> yeah, um, the addicts they have their thing, but when you're codependent as fuck. You got to figure out what you're going to do. I remember calling 
my, uh, an attorney because I just was tired of it. I called an attorney because, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him do what, what I want him to do so I won't have to wait anymore. And I sounded so crazy on the phone. The lady said, do you know there's help for you? I'm like, I don't need any help. He needs the help. But thankfully, I took her advice. And um, I learned to get my own self together and not worry about what they were doing. And I didn't have to wait anymore. I didn't have to have patience for him to get better. I had to have patience for me to get better. And um, I'm very thankful for that because um, I learned that I didn't have to, I have to wait for anybody for, to have my own happiness. I didn't have to wait um, for anyone to come home that I was looking for. I didn't have to wait anymore. And I learned that I, um, I have the patience of Job because I put, I put up with a, a lot of things. But thankfully, um, after all that waiting, I found myself. I find myself right here today. And it's been quite a journey. So um, I just say, you know, if you're going through a situation and you have patience, sometimes you run out of patience, but patience can run right out of you. (laughs) So I'm done. Thank you. If you'd like to tell a story like this one or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, plenty of ways to pitch your story, and our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.